Thank you, Google. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Guess you can use thank you now as the keyword. <laughs> I guess so. What happened? They changed that all of a sudden? <laughs> Google. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What the? What's going on with your Google? I don't know. Google. Hey, Google. What's the forecast for tomorrow? What's the forecast for tomorrow? Oh my God, your Google's going crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to You've broke your Google. I don't know. That's bizarre. This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. I'm Ryan Flurry. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Once again, Mr. Steve Barkley is out on assignment. Yeah, he bailed Question on mark. Uh, no, he is out on assignment. <laughs> he's, he's actually at a workshop today, so yes, he's, he is. he's working hard. Uh, so it's just me and you, Ryan. It is indeed. Uh, well, lots to talk about today. Just kidding! Really? No, <laughs> no, we do. Like, no, we've got some. We've got some some news articles. We do. And yeah. uh, a little later on, we're going to be talking to a lovely lady by the name of Christine Chalkin, who is from Hawaii, who runs a little company called Insightful Publications. And uh, what does Insightful Publications do, Ryan? Well, Christine creates state resource books for the states in the United States, of course, that include all sorts of things like transportation, housing, yeah, audio all, all for the visually impaired. All for the blind and visually impaired. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for right now, uh, let's just, uh, let's just banter. Beep, 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 beep. Banter, banter. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what, uh, first of all, uh, how are you doing? Uh, Today's Tuesday. I was on holidays Tuesday for a week. Being, yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I should say. You had, okay. so you had two sets of holidays this summer. Well, yeah. Not bad. Uh, but vacation was good. Where'd you go? We were in Kelowna at my wife's uncle's place again, helping him get some stuff done. Uh huh. Then we went out and did some wine tasting at a couple of vineyards and brought home way too much wine. Oh, so you must be, uh, must be well rested. Uh, well, I was busy. You know, it was busy because then we got home on the, on a Tuesday. Wednesday was a house cleaning day, and then my mom flew in from Alberta oh, yeah. from Thursday through to Sunday, so she just left. So it was it was busy. Yeah, but it was good. Excellent. Yep. Can't believe we got just over three months till Christmas now. Middle oh, of, don't even middle of September already. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, September is just years gone. It's just whipping by. It's because we're getting old. Well, yeah. And you notice that summer's gone too, eh? Yeah, that's summer's it. Done. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a uh, a warm September this year. It looks like we're going straight into 
Straight into February weather. <laughs> now that we've bored the shit out of anybody who's not doesn't live in Vancouver. This has been weather talk on AT Banter. Yeah, we're just Ryan are just catching up. Yeah. Oh, are we doing a show? What's <laughs> happening? People might like this part of the show. No, just I don't think. They, no, out, I mean, they maybe for like thirty-five seconds, 35, and then they're they're okay. tuned right out yeah. after. Right. Uh, Go make some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about something else instead, Ryan. All righty. Uh, hey, this is really cool. Steve sent this to me over the weekend. Uh, it's a great article about the HoloLens. Yep, I saw this. Yeah, did you have a chance to look at this? Yeah. I saw the video this morning. The HoloLens can now guide the blind through complicated buildings. So, Well, this is, a, this is a prototype test they were doing. It's actually not readily available. Sure. Yeah, yeah granted, granted. Uh, well, we should explain what HoloLens is to people mm-hmm. in case they don't know, because HoloLens, I don't feel like, is real... It's a Microsoft name, so it doesn't really describe really what the product is. Real, real mainstream. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like people don't really know what it is yet because it's yeah. not really. I mean, it's available, but uh, it yeah. really hasn't broken through right. into the mainstream. But it's basically, uh, well, how, what would you describe it as? Like Sort of like the Google? Augmented reality glasses. Right. So it's kind of like the Google Glass, kind of. Right. So apparently what's, what's happening is uh, the researchers at the California Institute of Technology have um, created a, an app for the HoloLens that um, would um, help pe- blind people find their way through buildings and offer them a, a better sense of their surroundings. Um, the way that they've done this is uh, they've taken advantage of the HoloLens's real-time room and object mapping capabilities, uh, and as well as, as these and this is where this is where it kind of blows my mind. So as well as these speakers that, like, what do you call that speaker that can you can sort of emulate room placement with sound? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's kind of like virtual surround sound. Right, exactly. So it uses something like that to uh, give audio cues so that um, it can actually navigate somebody who's visually impaired through a room using audio cues and this object mapping capability that the that the hololens has and uh just guide you around it'd be like you know follow a voice would say follow me and the the voice would would sound like it's coming from like a foot in front of you and so it, it really emulates the idea of a of, of an actual sighted guide sighting you through a room saying okay you know watch the chair go around the chair there's st- or there's uh, handrails here on both sides um, you know, stairs going up, turn right, turn escalator left. going down, yeah. and it's doing all of this you know, just through AI algorithms, and like there's there's actually no human component to this, um, and it sounds like it's it's in pretty early stages right now. Yeah, CIT actually had to in this app map the route the person was going to take and then put all that information, so it wasn't just a matter of yeah, you, know, you install the, the app and right. you start walking through a building. It all had to be kind of pre-programmed so that it knew where you were going to be at, you know, whatever time, because it is real time. And they say, I guess they tried it out on seven subjects, mm-hmm. and uh, they say that um, all but one, basically, uh, you know, w- w- was able to, to navigate all the obstacles and, and move through the room. First time. Yep, first, first time. Try. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's, that's some pretty good stats. Yeah, and just think, if you had... You know, something like the HoloLens that tied into beacon technology, 
you know, you wouldn't have to necessarily rely on just the one technology to do everything for you. You know, you could have an iBeacon or, or whatever right here beacon in a mall, have all that information already preloaded in the beacon, and the HoloLens just communicates whenever it notices a beacon in range. Right. Right. So it's kind of marrying the two technologies together to give you all the information you need to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And I think that this, this is why we keep hearing so much about AI and so much about um, augmented reality mm -hmm. for, for this very reason is that th this type of solution, uh, I mean, could be really powerful once once it's fully harnessed and once we, we they actually build something that that works. Yeah, and you know, and other services, you know, like Be My Eyes, Ira, you know, you're talking to live agents, and, and that's real time as well. But at the same time, AI can react much faster. You know, it can it can, I guess, think faster. Um, I, and I just think we haven't even gotten to the tip of the iceberg yet of what we're going to see in the next five years. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it, definitely. I mean, I, I think that this is definitely the way of the future. I, I mean, a, as great as Ira is, and we have, there's another Ira story that we're going to actually mm -hmm. talk a little bit about later too. Um, I, you know, Ira is great, um, but I don't think that that service and I, and I could be wrong. I could I could be wrong. I could be wearing egg on my face in five years, but I you know I don't think Ira is necessarily going to be as big as it maybe is right now in, in five years, because I think it's going to get replaced by apps that can do this uh, without a human component to it. And I think that that will just, you know, completely replace. Yeah, but these um, are all stepping stones. It, it, they are. But I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's really amazing to me. It, 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 like this, this AI and these algorithms that can, that can map a room, that can look at, at something and be like, that's a chair, that's a table. That's, mm -hmm. Those are stairs going you know, up. There's hand railings there. I mean, that's, that's really amazing stuff. Time is going to tell where we get to in the next few years because like we say you know we keep talking about ai google's pushing ai you know apple's having an event on september 12th which is going to be after you hear this podcast or before you hear this podcast sorry podcast will be released after the yeah, apple what, event on uh, september 12th me. yeah apple's having a big iphone event tomorrow yeah iphone app yeah mac and whatever yep so there's probably going to be more announced on ai as well yeah google's having their event in october releasing their new phones and maybe other products. So AI has been a big push this year. And, you know, Microsoft is probably going to be due to release the next version of HoloLens very soon too. So who knows where all this technology is going to lead us. Um, I can't wait. And it's moving fast. It is. You know, even even Ira, I mean, that's really... Oh, in the last year, Ira's leaped and bounds yeah. ahead of where they started. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows? You know, it might be the case that, that Ira they just slowly phase out that human component because they're already working on, on AI for yep. the glasses and working on like a built-in digital assistant. Chloe, we should probably try and get Ira on again and just find out, you know, where they're at now. We keep seeing more and more news articles. Right. But find out, you know, what's happening with their AI and, and what direction they're heading in. Yeah, be because they've got more partnerships with hotels and airports and grocery stores and well, I think that that's, you know, and we, we might as well uh, just segue yep. into talking about Ira then now that, you know, the, the newest article is that they've made uh, a partnership with uh, Wagmans, which is a big uh, grocery 
uh, grocery chain down in the States, um, kind of like Safeway up here. Um, but they've, uh, yeah, they've entered into a partnership with them. And so I guess Iro will be enabled in all Wegmans stores uh, across the country. Yeah, and we've got links that we're going to sh- put in our show notes as well. But, you know, the video that we are going to link to, you walk up to the store and says you've entered an Ira network. And as you walk into the store, you know, you've got the app installed on your phone or you're wearing the glasses and you can dial up an agent and say, I'm looking for whatever, organic coffee. They can pull up, I guess, a map of this grocery store is kind of how I got it from the video and tell you where that is. So guiding eyes. Very cool. Yeah, it's... um. <clears throat> I feel like Ira is they're incredibly, incredibly smart from a from a marketing and a growth point of view. Um, they they're making really, really great strategic partnerships mm-hmm. with with uh, you know it started with the airports, yeah. um, and it's just expanded out to you know your campuses, yep, uh, grocery stores. I, I mean, I've lost track of of mm-hmm. all the partnerships that they've you know up here in Canada. They've partnered with the CNIB. Um, so they're really, really becoming, and you know, and there are still only, I mean, we only really started talking about Ira a year ago, probably. Yeah. They, and they've done, you know, some amazing work in that year. So really, really smart stuff. And you know, it's a, it's a really great service, you know, um, but it would be interesting to hear how forward thinking they're being because they must see the writing on the wall and know that. AI is catching up that at some point it's going to make more sense to, to do it without, uh, you know, a human agent or that they'll be able to do it without a human agent. Well, like I mentioned earlier, you know, AI can, it can do predictions so much faster than humans can. And all the information that is out there online that's available can be scraped by AI faster than anybody could do a search for. So I think, you know, we're going to have answers and resources at, you know, in the blink of an eye. We're not going to have to wait for somebody to look something up and tell us where it is. We can just ask. Right. And we'll get it. Yep. Yeah. I remember when you had to phone to get the weather. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or like, do you remember like when you had to like, like, you know, check the movie times. And so you'd phone the automated (laughs) movie line and. And it would give you the, the uh, we used to do everything by the phone. You're showing our I age. even tried like phone dating. Did you? Yeah, I did. I totally tried that in college. Really? Where like, yeah. It was like this phone line that you'd go and you'd record a message. Was that the one 900 lines? No, those are different. <laughs> but, those are different. But no. Th- yeah. Anyways. Wow. Anyways, everything was on the phone. Yep. 411. Yeah. Or, or you had that TV station with TV listings station. We'd watch that, and they would have weather and news and stuff on it as well. Hmm. You remember that? No. Oh. Hmm. No. But and now we just have you know we have these digital assistants in our homes that we just you just ask, you just say the words "Hey, blank, blank." Yep. And it tells you everything you want to know, ever. And if you don't have an assistant, you've probably got a smartphone in your pocket. It'll tell you the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we live in quite the age right now, so. We do, and it's, you know, interesting, because I was thinking about this the other day, and, you know, how we have all these smart assistants, and and every, more and more people are going with smart homes, and, 
at what point are we going to reach a point that we end up going, what have we done and go back to basics? Yeah, that's a good question. Because you know, human evolution repeats itself. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's going to happen. <laughs> so you're saying we're, it's only a matter of time we're going to be hunting, hunter-gatherers again? Probably. Probably. Mm, I know. I'm going to be picking berries. I know, <laughs> I know it. I'm not going to be one of the hunters. That's going to suck. Yeah. I'm going to be with the women in the fields picking berries. I can't, I can't hunt a Men can pick bison. berries, too. Okay, good. Hopefully, it's equal opportunity <laughs> hunter-gatherers and not... It's not one of those sexist That's right. societies. Of the, hopefully we'll be, you know, enlightened savages. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what AI does to us. Yeah. We're going to have implants, right? So, But I mean, it, no, but you, all kidding aside, <laughs> it does, you know, it does raise a really, you know, a really powerful aid for everybody, yeah. you know, not just, um, you know, the visually impaired community, you know, the deaf blind community, you know, fill in the blank, any, any sort of community. I, I mean, did the idea of, of AI and augmented reality and um, any sort of, of um, combination of those working together, um, who knows what, what we can bring. So Yeah, no, just keep watching the Internet for News articles because technology is changing so quickly. Mm-hmm. Every week there's a story on something new. Yeah, it is. But I mean, certainly with you with Ira, I mean, there's a, every week there's a new partnership. So mm-hmm. um, there, I, I feel like right now Ira's the one to watch. Yep. Um, I, I'm just I'm so curious. I think you should. I don't, I don't know. I, we, we should sign up for it. Well, I'm waiting to hear the announcement from CNIB because when we had Len on a few months ago, that partnership was I thought supposed to be announced this month, but I've heard nothing yet. And I've reached out to Lynn from CNIB right. and have heard nothing. So I don't know if I'm sure we'll see the announcements once it's made as to what the plan is going to look like, um, what subscription costs are going to be. Sure. But I haven't seen that yet. So we'll see. You know, it's one of those things where I have used to be my eyes. Um, free service. You know, yep. Available 24-7. Yep. Just like Ira is. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, let's talk about the CNIB for a minute. Um, did you, and I'm, I, I guess you kind of knew this was coming maybe because your, your ear is probably a little closer to the ground on these things. But uh, I noticed this week that CNIB kind of launched their big uh, rebranding effort. Uh, and they are, they are now called the CNIB Foundation. And I actually didn't know this until you told me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought... So I maybe thought, I should read my CNIB newsletters a little bit more closely. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> uh, but no, so now CNIB... Now, the CNIB, for those people who are uh, who you know aren't in Canada, is it's our national uh, blindness agency, non-profit. Um, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Um, and for years, you know, that's that's just what they've been. Uh, but But recently they have rebranded themselves and they're calling themselves the CNIB Foundation and it looks like it's made up of two other organizations as well. The CNIB is sort of the umbrella foundation and then under that is something called Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada and the CNIB Deafblind Community Services. Ryan, I don't know, do you have any insight on, on why they've done this? I think CNIB, the vision loss rehab part of it 
is, I think, going to do the same things that the CNIB in past has done. So they're going to do, you know, teaching a blind or low vision person how to cook or how to clean your house, you know, self-care. They're also raising guide dogs. Um, so your, your whole vision loss rehab is is what that arm of it's going to be. The deafblind, you know, obviously it's the same be thing for the same for thing deaf for deaf and, and visually impaired. I think the reason for going foundation is they're wanting to go, not go more, but they're wanting to dive deeper into partnerships in technology. And they realize that technology is changing so rapidly and there's so much more opportunity for blind, low vision and deaf people to do more despite their disabilities with technology. That's kind of what I've gotten from the article um, and past interviews that we've done. You know, they are talking more with Ira. They're talking with, um, what was the one I, I mentioned the other day about the traffic signals? Oh, right. Sure. Um, I forgot that that escapes me too, but, but. So I think they're wanting uh, to, to establish more partnerships in the tech field. But, not okay. Not just stick to vision rehab. Sure. Okay. Okay. So I think maybe it'll help clear the lines a little bit more, you know, and you know, it's going to take time. You know, anybody you talk to who says, you know, um, I have a blind person, you, you, you refer them to CNIB. Right. That's been the go-to, you know, for, for decades. Right. And everything was just the CNIB. Like right. they just, they did it every, like it doesn't, I don't get the sense that they're doing anything different. They're just. They've just separating things out. It just seems like they're separating all their all the services into a different named company. And maybe it'll make things more efficient, you know. Maybe more effective. They'll have dedicated people who, you know, you call CNB and, yeah, and ask about, you know, where do I find out more about ABC? They can direct you to the right person instead of, you know, you call CNAB now and you're talking to somebody in the store when the some person in the store says, well, no, you got to talk to so-and-so, you know, maybe there'll be dedicated departments and people you can actually reach out to. So mm. maybe it'll become more efficient. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see what form it takes. Yeah. I would love to talk to somebody about the, to, from the CNIB about this and just, you know, get a sense of, of what, what their strategy is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, if they, they felt like they were just kind of getting bloated and and maybe you're right. Maybe they were just kind of getting bogged down in, in too much bureaucracy or too many conflicting um, agendas for each. I mean, you know, you got to remember the CNIB is a nonprofit, so a big part of a big part of their life is is fundraising. Right. So maybe they felt that that was also easier to separate out those services uh, into a different entity that that that's all they worry about. Uh, I, I don't know, I, yeah. but it just seems to me that, you know, a rebranding effort like this, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a, it's a real big step, especially for an organization that's, uh, God, how old is the CNIB? Uh, I don't remember. We'd have to Wikipedia. It's like 60, I mean, a long time. It's but been around re- for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, and they rebranded themselves a few years back as well when they well, went they got a new logo rehab that, and stuff, right? Y- sure. I mean, but that was a minor rebranding. That was, you know, that was, you know, new website colors and a new logo mm. and, and some new this is a real major. This yeah. is a, this is almost a restructuring as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. New de- new departments. Yeah. I'll reach out again and see if we can get them on the show. Yeah. Get more information. 
Yeah, I don't know if I like their new logo, to be honest. I like their old one better. <laughs> they should have hired you. Uh, yeah, this uh, article that you sent me um, about Blytab, this is pretty interesting, too. Yeah, and we've heard about this company for a while. Um, they were supposed to release a product, it looks like, you know, 2017, and that got delayed. But why don't you read a little bit about what this product is and some of the technology that it's using? Yeah, so the Blytab is essentially, it's a portable tablet that is specifically designed for the visually um, impaired community. Um, it looks a lot like uh, any other tablet, uh, except it's, you know, it's slightly thicker than something like an iPad, um, but it has two separate display fields. Uh, one on the bottom is a, is a touchscreen um, that where users would um, be able to select an, an app or a, a page or what, whatever. Uh, and then the top portion of the Bly tab is basically a brailled surface. Right, with haptics and... Yeah, but where it really, what, what makes it a lot different is that that Braille is not driven by conventional Braille technology, which is the, what do you call it? This, what do you, how do you say that? Uh, piezoelectric, I think. P yes, yeah, it's not driven by piezoelectric technology. Rick would, Rick would be a better one yep. to pronounce that. But, <laughs> um, but it's this liquid-based liquid technology. The, the tablet's glass is, is perforated by holes or cells and then the braille is actually created by this um this liquid based technology that creates the tactile feel of the actual braille so it's not driven by the conventional um piezoelectric technology that usually drives those braille pins up and down on a, on a refreshable uh braille display um so it's 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 pretty cutting edge. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, we're seeing more and more companies try different technologies like magnets, and you know, everybody's trying to bring the the price of Braille down. And this is just another example. I think they're aiming at the five hundred dollar well, that's US price point. That's right? exactly what makes this thing so exciting. Is that yeah, that's exactly what the the price point that they're aiming for is five hundred bucks, and uh, it's it's full page Braille. Yeah, and we're not talking line by line. Um, we're talking about being able to read a book just like the full page and being able to, to reproduce that um, Braille full page. Now, I guess the only caveat that I can see is that how good the Braille is. And how quickly it refreshes. Because um, that's been an issue. You know, it's great that it's a new technology, but, you know, if those if those Braille dots aren't raised high enough... Um, or it, sharp enough. Or sharp enough... People aren't going to be able to to read it properly. Yeah, and, but you got to start somewhere. You know, it's just like the Orbit Reader. You know, we still don't have that available to us here in Canada. But you know, again, another five hundred dollar price point, a new, different technology to drive Braille, and you know, again, it's another option. And they started somewhere, and let's let's hope this technology can only get better and better and cheaper and cheaper. I'd actually like to get a Blytab and and just see how well it works. I, would, I think Steve should actually see if he can get one. Yeah, well, the, the, the really exciting, I mean, because this has been, they've been working on this since, I guess, 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and like Ryan said, it was due to be out uh, last year, but it got delayed. But 
they're saying that uh, they're going to start taking pre-orders very soon, and they expect it to start shipping by the end of the year. So this thing, we could be seeing this thing by Christmas. Yep, absolutely. And now something that I didn't know is that uh, now the the company was actually started by uh, this this young lady. She's not even thirty, or I think she just turned thirty. Christina Tetsanova. She's got a bachelor's degree in industrial management and a master's in engineering, and she's kind of the brainchild of all this. And uh, I watched a video with her. Very lovely lady, incidentally. She's very very big hair. She's got eighties hair. Does she? But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's the brainchild of it all. She she co-founded it, started it up, and uh, she's you know she's been working hard getting investors and and uh, sounds like it's it's been a, a pretty big task. But uh, it sounds like it's it's nearly come to fruition. We've been I mean we've been keeping it. We've we heard, when did we hear first hear about this? It was last year or something. Probably right? a year ago. Yeah, because we've been watching, you know, other tablets like the Graffiti, the Blytab. Um, you know, there's been a couple of different examples of people trying trying this. But I mean, not only you know, and again, this the the the, the potential for this is not only it goes even past Braille itself. It, it could be used as tactile graphics as well, right? So you could, it could also be used to reproduce like stuff like graphics and maps and um, tactile any anything tactile really. So. And the fact that it's, you know, app-based, of course, your apps are going to have yep. to support it. Um, yep. Hopefully developers jump on board and come up with some pretty amazing stuff. But it's going to be cheaper than a, than a, yeah. uh, a Braille display. Uh, it will be lighter than a Braille display. Um, I mean, if this technology works, uh, it could real, really change the face of, of Braille technology well, that's going forward. And I know we keep saying that. We keep having these... You know, we keep talking about all these products that it's like, man, if this thing works, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to change. It's going to change the face of Braille. Um, the, so the hopefully question, one of them lands soon. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned the quality of the Braille. The Braille is going to have to be sharp for people. It's going to have to be fairly fast for people. You know, one of their examples in there is, have you tried reading a Harry Potter book on a single line Braille display? You know, it would take you years. Yes, Whereas absolutely. Whereas this is multi-line, so, you know, you could actually read a lot more fluently and efficiently. Sure. As long as the Braille's refreshing at your reading speed. Yeah. And hopefully that's customizable. If not, I'm sure it'll come. But it, but it, but it, you know what? I don't even know that that, does it, that really matter when it's full-page Braille? Like, you've essentially got a full page of Braille. It's like you've got, it's like you're reading a... Some people can read Braille really fast. So yeah. it's going to have to refresh. So even though you're reading, you know, 11 lines of Braille or 40 lines or whatever the standard page is. When you turn the page, it needs to... You turn to, the page, it needs to be there. Right. Okay, know? fair enough. Or at least load the first three or four lines while you're reading. Or, yeah, load the first three or four lines really fast so you can start reading right away, and it slowly loads the rest of the page. But, you know, right? it, you know, and I don't, you know, obviously I don't know anything about the, you know, the inner workings of, of the device, but it seems to me if it's this liquid-based technology, it, it also seems to me that you could probably have different settings in terms of the Braille itself. So you could have it, you know, raising more or raising less depending on the sensitivity that you want. Probably. You know, there's... there's. I mean, are, do, do regular Braille dis devices work like that? Like, can you... Can you, can you I know, I know JAWS has a dot firmness setting in it, so if, depending... Well, I don't think it really matters which Braille display you're using. You can actually go in and increase the dot firmness uh, of your Braille display through JAWS. Um, on the Braille displays themselves, no, you can't adjust the firmness. Yeah, I, see, I didn't think so. 
not in the, not in the displays I'm familiar with anyway. Hmm. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on on this device, the Blytab. Uh, we'll you know again we'll include a link to the to the article in the show notes. Uh, I, I would you know anybody who's interested, I, I'd really encourage them to take a look at it because this thing is really cool. Well, and, you know, think about it. You'd have a, a Braille tablet at your readiness. If you've got an Orbit, you've got a you know a twenty cell Braille display, portable. Throw in your laptop bag, away you go. Yep. You know, for thousand dollars, you've now got two Braille devices, and you still haven't come close to a standard Braille display price. You know, like let's this technology is exciting, and I'm I'm really excited. Five hundred bucks, like I can't get over that. Five hundred bucks, like yeah. in the assistive. You know, we work in the assistive technology field. We know, and like there are not that many devices out there that are five hundred bucks that nope. that are this useful. I mean, there are devices that are five hundred bucks, but they do one thing. And that's kind of it. Like this, it's this is unheard of that a device like this would be five hundred dollars. Well, and again, it all comes back to braille literacy. You know, they have statistics there that you know we'll link to in the show notes. But you know, 80 percent of blind people out there don't know braille. Yeah. You know, let's get braille into more hands and, and yeah. let's increase literacy and employment and let's level the playing field. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's, should we talk about what we think is going to happen tomorrow at the Apple event? Uh, if you're like me and have looked at all the news sources, I think you have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen at you the Apple what? event. You know what, just, you know, just for chuckles, because <laughs> people will be listening to this on Friday and be like, yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> they're completely wrong about what, what, uh, they're going to talk about. So, you know what, just for, just for humor's sake, let's, let's do it. Let's predict the future. Let's predict the future. All right. Talk about what we think uh, is going to be at the Big Apple event tomorrow, September 12th. All right. What's well, your, what's, give me, give me, give me, give me an idea. Well, I think according to the, the articles I read, and I, I agree to some extent, they are going to release three new iPhones. My concern is that their top end iPhone, I've heard rumors of being about $2,000. And oh, the other thing, uh, I, these guys are exhausting. Well, they are. But you know, the other thing I, I took away from the the recent news is that their largest phone, the iPhone XS, I think, is that the new one. There's going to be an XS and XR, and a an, third one. An XX, an SX Max. Right. So I think that's going to be the two thousand dollar phone. Right. But the thing I took away is it's going to be six point five inches. It wasn't that long ago. That seven-inch tablets died, and we're getting back to that form factor. We're getting back uh, to these large screen phones. They're trying. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to find the sweet spot. They're trying That's to be like, big. okay, this is too big. Okay, we dial it back, and then we make it a little bigger. And they're just trying to find that that sweet spot to what people want. And you know, if I don't, I'm not most people, but you know, I've got a 5.7 or 5.8-inch phone now. I find it too big. I want to go back to like my iPhone four, my four inch or, or five inch phone that'll still fit in my pocket. You know, six inch phone's too big for me anyway. I, I think I think here's the problem is the problem isn't the phones. The problem are pants. <laughs> they need they just need to start everybody they needs need to, to partner with pants. pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just make these big side pockets that yeah. you can put your big seven inch phone into. So you're then your your pants are hanging halfway down your that's, ass. And that's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> So yeah, I think there's gonna be three phones. My concern is that they're not gonna have a really kind of low to mid range phone in the three to five hundred dollar price range. You that don't most think they're going afford. to? No, 
Oh, I, I think they're foolish that they don't. I oh, mean, I think they're foolish too, but I don't think they're going to. I, I think that that's that's where their main competition. is. I think is. their phones that's, are going to start at eight hundred bucks. I feel like people are getting phone fatigue, and yep. you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just me, but I you know I just get tired of like just uh, who cares like at this point because we've we've kind of gotten to a point where the the techno technological advances are very small in increments almost to where we don't even really notice them yep speed in, speed increases new processors they're just incremental updates you know my on phones my, my pixel xl does everything that i needed to do yep in my wildest dreams so you know the you know the the iphone you know xx mass well, the iphone xs max does not thrill me at all like it's not gonna be able to do anything that much better than unless my we, current phone right unless we mentioned you know there's a big push on ai and i think i've heard there's gonna be improvements to siri um you know there's gonna be some stuff and, and i'll check out the apple event on tuesday the 12th as well to see how it turns out but wait a minute yeah. the 12th it's wait, tomorrow tomorrow that's yeah. wednesday the 12th okay wednesday the 12th yeah so it'll be interesting to see um so yeah we got new phones coming uh, finally, it sounds like we're going to have a new Mac Mini, which they haven't released since 2014. Hmm, interesting. Which is the computer form factor I've thought about jumping into if I go Mac. Really? Yeah. Why, why is that? Because it's small. So the form factor is about the size of my computer there, you mm -hmm. know, maybe maybe eight inches tall. Right. Um, price points on the, on the Mac Minis have been relatively inexpensive, like under $1,000. Really? Um, you know, I can't get a desktop PC for under a thousand dollars, a windows PC, unless mm, I no. really want a piece of junk. Um, so it's something I've thought about for years. I just haven't done it. You know, all the Mac pros, the iMacs, their laptops, they're all so expensive. Yeah, they are. It, to me, really it just are. wasn't worth putting down that kind of money just to play around and learn a little bit of voiceover on a Mac. So I might look at the Mac Mini. I'm excited to see what that's what that is like, and what the price point they're coming in at. Um, that's really. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like they might the, be talking about an Apple Watch Four. Yep, a larger Apple Watch Four, uh, which could be interesting. But uh, Air Power. What's Air Power? Air Power is their. I think their wireless charging. Oh really. So up until now, I don't, or maybe they had wireless charging in the previous, in the current generation of iPhones. I'm not positive. Hmm. Um, new, new Apple pods. Is that what they're called? AirPods? They're AirPods. Yeah. They're, yeah, that's right. Apple AirPods, which is the, they're the, the wireless uh, earphones. Ear right. So I think they're talking about noise cancellation and stuff. <sighs> yeah. They want higher end. Like those yeah. things are already so expensive. <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah. Well, Is you it know, like $800 for a pair of if you're in the Apple earbuds. ecosystem, you're used to paying those premiums. Good Lord. Can you imagine jogging and then falling out of your... Yeah. Although these are, these are, they're talking about these making these water resistant. So I guess you can just drop it into a puddle and... <laughs> wipe it off. Stick it, it back off in your and go, go right back. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think, I know. you know, it's good that we have choice. Um, but I really think all of these companies have to start being a little bit more realistic and bringing these prices into range of everybody. Not just the, the premium elite, because, you know, here in Canada, you know, I'm tired of two-year contracts just to get a subsidized phone. I would love to be able to pay five, $600, buy my phone outright, and have a current phone, have a premium phone, mm -hmm. not have to settle for low-end specs or low-end RAM or storage. 
you know, and I can't do that. I don't have a thousand dollars to put down on a phone every year. What is wrong with you? <laughs> That's your fault. Loser. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No. Yeah. You know, it's true. Um, uh, but I don't know. I don't think it'll happen. I, I mean, no. I just think that that Apple has has cemented their place in and their reputation mm-hmm. in being the top end of everything, and that's where they want to stay. They don't the, the idea of creating something that's mid range or even low cost. I well, think they to had them the, is, they had the iPhone SEs, right, which were their low end, you know, three to four hundred dollar phones, and for most people, would have been more than adequate. You know, most people are probably checking their email, Twitter, Facebook, and making calls on their phone. And I guess playing games if you're sighted. Right. But, and maybe audiobooks. But you really don't need a lot of processing power to do that kind of stuff. So, really, why do you need to spend $1,000 on a phone? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, you don't need that power to do what 90% of the population is using that device for. No. I just don't understand the, the relatively between price and usability. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think people are getting a little bit of tech burnout um, in terms of these big events. Um, well, we've got the Apple one now. Next month, we have Google's. Again? Yeah. Google's announcing their new Pixel lineup, as well as maybe some other new products. So yeah, Google's got the Pixel 3s coming out. And then also in October, Microsoft is releasing the next version of Windows 10. So it's Apple, Google, Microsoft. Boom, boom, boom. Christmas, Christmas, here we come. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Yep. I feel like we just watched a Google event. We did. (laughs) Now they're having another one. Yep. But this is, I think, more surrounded about their release of the Pixel 3s. Yeah, the phones. I've been seeing a lot of... um, a lot of stories about the the Pixel Three and what they people think it's going to be. So yeah, people are excited. I guess I don't know. Well, and you know I've said this on the show multiple times. The one nice thing I like about Android is if you don't want to spend twelve hundred dollars or thousand dollars on the high end, you know Pixel Three, then go buy a Motorola G Five or G Six or whatever for five hundred bucks. Yeah. It'll still do all the same stuff you want it to do. Right. It just doesn't have the Google branding, and it's not the high-end processor. You know, I, we've just got more choice. Yep. Thank you, Google, for choice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's uh, that's kind of all the all I got for news. What about you? Nope. That's all I got. Okay. Well, good. Good. Then uh, you know, let's jump in and let's talk to uh, to Christine. Already get a little bit of an insight into insightful oh, publications. I see, see what, what you I did, did there. there. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. I'm a professional. You are. I'll be here all evening. <laughs> all right. So joining us today on the AT Banter podcast, we have Christine Chaikin from Insightful Publications. Welcome, Christine. Thanks for having me on again. Tell us a little bit about Insightful Publications and and uh, what you do there and uh, and how you, how it came about. It basically came about well first. First, I had my old company called Helping the Blind and Visually Impaired. <coughs> and then people were asking me, like, how to find different resources. I and mean, then that's when I figured out, well, it needs to be all compiled in one place. So in that way, you wouldn't have to go through so many different search results. I and mean, then I mean, having to find links that don't work either. This way, everything would be up to date. Okay, so that was the old company. So what led you to, to change the company or 
think I decided to change it to insightful publications because I figured if I was going to be creating state resource handbooks specifically designed for use by the blind and visually impaired, that seemed to be a better name to fit it compared to the helping the blind and visually impaired. Right. So where where do you gather all your information for the different state well, resources? I get, I get them from list of bookmarks that I have, different podcasts that I listen to, different publications that I get. And when I say publications, I'm talking about like the Braille Forum, Braille Monitor, Chronicle, just to name a few. And what types of resources are in your resource books? Um, it includes many organizations for the blind and visually impaired, covering areas such as employment, housing, transportation, and more. It also includes contact information on the local, regional, and national level. Now, to give you an idea as to how the book is laid out, because this is a question I get a lot, and that is it basically includes the company name, all the contact information, the website address, the website address, and then also a short description about that company. So it's like that for each listing. And there's a total of 17 different categories in each state resource handbook. Now, do you guys want me to go over the categories? I can. Sure, let's so talk a little bit about the categories. Introduction, organizations for the blind and visually impaired, benefits, employment, federal, housing, free screen readers, independent living centers, um, listserv, Lions Club, library service, national information services for the blind and visually impaired, um, referral and service, senior centers, support groups, transportation, and vendors for the blind and visually impaired. Now, are your books only electronic, or can people request Braille copies? Um, I do have them in electronic format, which means that they would... So if they pick Microsoft Word, PDF, which text format, they would... One of those file attachments would be sent to them by email with an attachment. I can do large print hard copy upon request. Um, my resource books are not available in the following formats of Braille hard copy, um, audio CD, National Library Service, digital cartridge, and regular print. And is there a cost for your resource books? Yes, they are available for purchase. The smaller books are individuals, 50. Um, organizations, 175. I mean, seniors, 45. And then the larger books are 65 for um, individuals, 185 organizations, and 60 for seniors. And the reason that the, that the organization price is higher is because they are like an entity. Now, how many states do you have resource books for? Going on, as of this month, it'll be going on 39. Wow. So how long does it take you typically to do a resource book? You know, a lot of the sections are the same, so really I can reuse a lot of the same sections. So the only thing I'm really changing is the link to that particular that one particular state. The hardest part is waiting to hear back from the people to see if they want to be included, as well as you know, waiting for them to give you the contact info. 
So what I usually do is I send them an email and then I just gather the contact info off the contact us page of their website. So in that way, I can get it out as soon as possible, just because with everything changing, you can't really be waiting too long, especially when websites address change, phone numbers, etc. Now, as far as updates go, I'll send out an email as a friendly reminder, just in case people want to purchase the updated book. And I also put that same updated information on our social media, so like our Facebook page, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So do you also include resources for, you know, not just visually impaired and low vision, but, you know, deaf or hearing impaired or any other disabilities? That, those are not included in that because that would be like a whole nother category, like a whole nother book. Right. I mean, people have asked me, well, why don't you add this section? I said, these books already have 17 categories. I go, I think that's long enough because you don't want to overwhelm people. I mean, it's already a hundred and something pages as it is. Yeah, it's like going through really large websites, you know, trying to drill down and find the information you want. And then what I do is like when I update, I'll just put updated and whatever that date happens to be. So the only time I don't put a book out is in December. So that's when I go back in through each one of my books in December and check all my links to make sure they work. And if they don't work, then I'll, you know, take it out. Right. So what book are you currently working on? Actually, I'm getting ready to put out the New Hampshire book. Hopefully, I'm shooting for it by the 17th of this month at the latest. I normally put books out on the first, but you know how it is when you're one behind. Yep. <laughs> and people always have asked me, they go, well, do you have a staff? No, I don't. It's a one-person operation. And how long have you been working on the books? Because So you've done 39 states in, in how long? Oh, I started the company in December of 2009, so probably since then. So that's, it's still, that's a huge task for one person. It is. And not to mention that one time I didn't back everything up, so I lost everything. So I kind of had to recreate everything again. Yeah. It's one of those lessons that are are learned hard. (laughs) Yeah. I've learned that lesson a couple of times. You know, I still haven't learned that lesson. I still take my chances and rarely back. Well, I shouldn't say that. I use OneDrive now. So everything important is being backed up. Yep. So now, Christine, so if someone's interested in checking to see if um, uh, if a resource book is available for their state, uh, where can they go on the web to, to find you? They can go to our website, which is in-sightful.com, or they can go to that same website, in-sightful.com slash orderpage.html, and that'll give them information on pricing, the formats that's available and not available, and even all the states that are available for purchase as of right now. Perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, so this is an incredibly valuable resource that you're providing for people. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'd encourage anybody to who's interested to uh, check out in-sightful.com and uh, go check out what Christine has to offer. And can I give them, I forgot to give my email address. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go ahead. How can, they, how can they contact you through uh, email? Insightful, so it's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-F-U-L-P-U-B at gmail.com. All right, Christine, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Okay, you take care. All right, bye-bye. Thanks, bye-bye. But, you know, it is one of those things that is a very handy resource. If you're, you know, a family or newly blind, where would you go? Like here in Canada, everybody thinks of CNIB. 
But in the States, there's so many more resources, so many sources of information, NFB, ACB, right. you know, um, if you want audio, there's, like she says, there's Newsline, there's all sorts of sources, yeah. Bookshare. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So it's a, it's, I think it's a very helpful resource. Yeah, so. well, absolutely. For sure. You know, and, uh, it is a huge amount of work to compile all that information. So, well, and it'd be nice if we had something like that in Canada, because we do have the CNAB, the CFB, the CCB, yep. you know, AEBC. Yeah. So, yeah. So many little independent arms doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes it really hard to to really lock down something that, that might work for you or, or somebody you know, yep. for sure. So, well, good. Good for Christine. Hopefully, like I said, anybody who's interested in uh, in seeing if, if something's available for their particular state. I mean, she's got 39 out of, what, 51. So, covers a majority of, uh, of the country, of the U.S. Yep. So... But yeah, we do. We do need something for sure. Something like that in Canada. See, there you go, Ryan. That's what you can do. <laughs> That's right. Give me your next career path. Alrighty. Hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. Where can people find us? They can find us at atbanter.com. Uh, they can also find us at, uh, woo, no, wait. They can also email <laughs> us if they desire, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook, atbanter. And uh, we are on Twitter, AT underscore banter. And we are on Instagram, but I don't know if there's been much at posted recently. AT banter. At AT banter. So, Rob, where can people find Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, I'm so glad you asked. They can find Canadian Assistive Technology on the internet at www.canastech.com. Uh, hey, Ryan, where can people find uh, Mr. Rick Chant at uh, Chaos Technical Services? Online as well at chaostechnicalservices.com. Anything you would like to get fixed, uh, assistive technology-wise, he can help you with. Usually. With a smile. Rick, a smile. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's uh, going to about do it for this week for us. Um, I got to go finish a catalog. All right. Let's go. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we'll see you next time. And that's my line. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take. <laughs>